Welcome to Antelope Road Christian Fellowship. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit myarcf.com. Today is the fifth and final installment of our series called Facing the Cross, where Jesus says so many things that it's very clear that he knows that at the end of this week, he's about, the Passion Week, he's about to give up his life in the place of everyone who would believe in him and receive forgiveness for sin. And uh, today's sermon's called In Good Company. I told you guys a couple weeks ago, I was like, we've got to cover the bad news with Judas, but right after that, John, under leadership of the Holy Spirit, tells us about Peter, who also has a kind of a face plant low moment. But if you've been around the Bible for a little while, you know Peter has a very different trajectory than Judas, even though they both failed in tremendous ways. And so if two weeks ago was the bad news, if two weeks ago was the warning against playing church, turning religion into a game, if, if two weeks ago was the warning, today is the encouragement that in the Christian life, people who really love Jesus can do absolutely, uh, what's the right word? I think Bugs Bunny used nincompoop in the 50s, so that's, is that PG rated enough for church? You can be a nincompoop, you can do really dumb things, you can open mouth, insert foot, and even in moments, in, in, under the real heat, you might even abandon your savior in his moment of need, but you're not one who walks away and stays away. You come back, you repent. We're gonna see a couple of things that are low moments for Peter or that allude to other low moments for Peter, but I just want you to know that if you love Jesus Christ, your struggles don't mean that you're Judas. It doesn't mean that you don't love Christ. It doesn't mean you never loved him and were playing a game. Judas leaves and stays gone. The prodigal son goes, does stupid stuff but comes back. Are you with me so far? Okay? Those are two different stories. You'd be foolish to not ask yourself the Judas questions, but you might be overly despairing and overly discouraged if you don't look at Peter and, frankly, the other ten who scatter but who come back. So, let's read the text. John 13, starting at verse 31. We're going to go through verse 38. I apologize to those of you in the hardback black, uh, page 896. Hopefully you already found it. Page 896. Mind you, this is at the Last Supper. Judas has just left the room to go betray Jesus, so it's now Jesus with the 11. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will soon give glory to the Son. Guys, that was just two verses. How many times did you hear the word glory? What do you think is on Jesus' mind when he goes to the cross? Okay, let's be honest. You're a first century person. You know what the cross is all about. Who's, who's thinking about pain and suffering at this point if you know you're going to a cross? How is Jesus thinking about glory? Except that he sees something you and I don't see. And it's, it's, yes, his own glorification, but the Father's glory. Verse 33, dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. 
And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. And now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love, for, so as I have loved you, past tense, right? He already stripped down to his skibbies and washed feet, okay? He just did that. Verse 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord, he asked. I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Lord Jesus, please teach us your word this morning. Give us the humility to respond exactly as a family and as individuals, how you would have us to respond to this portion of what you say to us. In Jesus' great name, we ask for this blessing. God's people said, amen. amen. So who thinks they have the right answer? Okay, honesty time. What's the honesty time. Show up on church on time. That's the answer. That's the question. <laughs> so guys, I don't know if you've seen this through email. I don't know if you've seen this in church. If you say it publicly, I will respond publicly. So don't dish it out if you can't take it. Here, here, so honesty, raise your hand if you said absolutely nothing happens to the diamond. No lying in church. So a goodly number of us. That's Rocking good time. We're smart. Okay, so here's the question I didn't ask. What happens to a cubic zirconia that you superheat and drop into a cup of cold water? It melts. She divorces you. Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> You've been lying to me for 27 years. Right? Okay. A diamond is so intensely strong that it can withstand a rapid temperature change, and none of the fakes can do it. The fakes are all essentially plastic. They can't do it. Brothers and sisters, when Christians love other Christians, this proves that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. It proves it. It doesn't suggest it. It doesn't allude to it, even if you're late. Late Christians can love other Christians, and it proves their discipleship. Jesus said so. Jesus doesn't lie. Now, the Pharisees don't like this. Pharisees, we want to go to lots of Bible classes and earn certificates, and we want to sign up for five different ministries and, and three different mission trips and count the brownie points every step of the way. And Jesus says, I, I love you too much for it to be that complex. He's already talked about fruit, right? If you're connected, John, John 15, but he also said earlier, like, there's proof if you actually love God, you actually know God, there's proof that slowly is transforming your life. But here, let me make it really simple for you. Can you love your siblings? Do you do it? And this, no, does this, not, does this is not even remotely demanding perfection, like you're never saying something rude or you're never failing to serve, like we sin, okay? We still have the old self, Christians are gonna sin all the time. 
Christians have the Holy Spirit pressing in on us going, uh, knock that off, Greg. And by God's mercy, we're able to repent and say, we agree with you, God. What I said was wrong. What I did was wrong. What I failed to do was wrong. Lord, take me to a place of wholeness and healing where I love and serve that person the way I ought to. Brothers and sisters, it's love that proves we love Jesus. So, no wonder those of us in the room who have not yet decided what we believe about Jesus, we have problems when we see people who call themselves Christians doing something unloving or selfish, right? Creates huge problems, huge barriers to faith. Now, I think it gets used cheaply sometimes. Sometimes, those of us who don't believe, we take the bad behavior of a Christian, use it as an excuse because we never ever look at the perfect behavior of the God-man named Jesus. Like, his death on a cross declares that Christians are a mess. If you were saving your amen, that was your moment. Why does Jesus Christ need to die on a cross if Christians have their act together? We don't. We don't. We're a mess. Love to your siblings, the people that Jesus saved them vertically. They're reconciled to the Father through his blood. They're also reconciled to you horizontally. There's nothing that is supposed to be able to divide us now. If the cross is as powerful as the Bible says it is, if the blood of Jesus is as powerful as the Bible says it is, we are lying to ourselves and lying to the world when we fail to love each other. A couple of practical ideas. There are a lot of ways to love. Serve somebody. Really, really, really hard to serve somebody you don't love. Can I get an amen? Okay. But how many of you have ever chosen into obedience when you didn't want to and it helped to work on your heart a little bit? Right? Anybody ever done the dishes while you were mad at your spouse? (laughs) I'm going to love my wife better by the time these dishes are done because the Lord's going to use this. Huh? Right? So, thanks. Glad we had this talk. Um, Service forces, because the enemy's going to say that. The enemy's going to go, he or she does not deserve for you to serve them in this way. And then you have to do what? You have to throw the gospel back at him, or you won't serve. Jesus, yeah, Jesus went to the cross not because I deserved his forgiveness. That's nonsense. So service is going to force to the issue. Is this out of spirit-born love? Or am I just happy with my, my spouse, friend, roommate, child, father? Am I happy with this person right now and so I'm serving them? Or am I turning the other cheek? Or forgiveness, same idea. I'm going to try to forgive you because it's the loving thing to do. It's commanded of God. And the enemy's going to go, what? They don't deserve forgiveness. Ah, funny one, Satan, funny. That's cute. Har, har. I didn't forgiveness when Jesus hung on a cross for me. Like, we're going to go back into the gospel over and over again. Guys, this is a side note. Real love cannot sidestep the gospel. Our culture's trying to do that right now by defining love the way they want love defined, but the Bible never defines it apart from a loving, initiating God stepping into our mess. That's love. What? Laying down his life for his friends. Jesus said that. You cannot define, you can. You can define love apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. You're gonna have a false love. It's not gonna work. It won't last. 
It won't last. Or just be a friend. Really subjective. Really subjective. But I think we know what it feels like. You want to love your sibling in Christ? Choose proactively to be a friend. We're coming out of COVID restrictions. We're lonelier than we have ever been. Maybe we just need to do something proactive. Maybe it's just a phone call or a text to somebody. How are you? No, really, how are you? Something. Be a friend. What would a friend do? Um, Side note, some of our be a friend gets sidestepped by our busyness. I I can stop and get oxygen and think about you a little bit more if, if I have a little bit of margin. If my needs are met, harder to do if I'm busy. Anyway, Christian love proves discipleship. Second point, and here's where we're going to spend most of our time. Most church people are not Judas, but Peter. Now, if you get a church where the gospel is simply not preached, uh, and it's all a giant religious game, maybe this is flipped, but I'm, I'm asserting that in the average Christian church where the Bible is taught, you're going to have people playing a game in your midst, but most of us are struggling. We do love Christ, and we are struggling with the flesh. We're struggling with the old self, and we still sin, and we hate that we do, and we fight it like Peter does, like David did. So let's unpack this just a little bit through verses 36 and 37. Actually, I'm going to read briefly, real quick. So it's funny how Jesus says, I'm going, you can't follow me, then talks about loving one another. Like he's, he's, he knows he's about to be betrayed and go to his cross, and he's trying to pass along what's most important, saying love one another. And Peter's like, um, I'm still hung up on that first thing you said. <laughs> Lord, where are you going? Did you notice how he just totally, Peter ignores verses 34 and 35? Did anyone pick up on that? Ignores the last thing that Jesus said. Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. Why can't I come? Now he's casting you know, doubt on Jesus' judgment. Why can't I come now, Lord, he asked. I'm ready to die for you. And Jesus says, really? That's my translation, but you know. Actually, you're gonna deny me before breakfast. Before the rooster crows and Chick-fil-A has a chance to turn it into something very delicious for your breakfast, you're going to deny three times you even know me, okay? So let's, let's walk through a few of these failures with Peter. Let's find ourselves, if we love Jesus, let's find ourselves in this, and then let's be gracious with ourselves. That's the plan for the rest of this sermon. Does that sound good? Yes, we're weak and broken like Peter, and yes, it's gonna be okay because we have a merciful and powerful savior, okay? Here's these three sub points down beneath this point about us probably being Peter and not Judas. First, Peter misses the point sometimes. Note takers, grab your pen. Peter misses the point sometimes. If you've read the Bible, you've seen him do it in pretty big ways. Jesus says, I'm going to die for the sins of the world. And Peter's like, No, you can't do that. who's, Who's glad that Peter got silenced at that point? Right? Okay. So the guy who was eventually called to lead the church before he was to, to that level of authority, he was totally diametrically opposed to what God was up to. He had some wrong thinking, some wrong beliefs, and Jesus had to rebuke him and call him Satan. Is that one of those high moments where you go immediately onto social media? Hey, Jesus called me Satan today. Waha, you know, crushing it. 
did my devos this morning. I'm so religious. Like, no. No. This is not a high point. Okay? He misses the point here. The point is about love. And he says, Lord, where are you going? Huh? Completely misses the point. Where is Jesus going is Jesus' business. Love each other is the disciples' business. Anybody here ever gotten wrapped around the axle that something wasn't your business? No, no. I, well, no. Okay, just me. Just me. Like, I call it the evening news. Definitely the drama shows. She said, and he said, or Job. Hey, Job. So um, I was at Half Moon Bay the other day. I uh, I created it because I made sand by speaking. Uh, I made sunshine. I made the ocean. I said, "This is where your proud waves stop." Were you going out for a Doritos Loco Taco while I did that? Where were you, Job? Oh, you didn't exist because you hadn't been born yet because you're a human? Oh, that's right. That's right. You have to go to Apple Bay. Like Peter misses the point sometimes. Speaking of missing the point, a certain pastor of yours who shall remain nameless, when he was 10 years old, he got this great entrepreneurial idea said, I'm going to go rake leaves in the neighborhood and make buku bucks. What a great idea. It was summer. There was free time. And the spirit of capitalism was in the air. So I talked to my sister. My sister was eight. I never led her astray, right? What could possibly go wrong? Whatever Greg has cockamamie plan that he's up to. So like a dutiful 10-year-old, I asked my mom for permission. Hey, mom, can we go raking leaves to make money? And she says, yeah, that's a great idea. And so Brianna and I go out into the garage, get some big black trash bags and a couple of rakes, and trounce off down the street. Sounds fine so far, right? Except there's a part I haven't told you. It was only about 30 minutes from the sun going down And because mom was aware that the day was pretty much over, mom just assumed that my question was talking about some other day. I meant right now. (laughs) I have no awareness that it's going to be dark soon. Just oblivious. What's changed in 30 years? I don't know. Nothing's changed. But I'm marching down the street with my sister, black trash bag in hand, rake in hand. Mom does not know we've left the house because she thought I was talking about something theoretical. And we had to go a couple blocks over before we found somebody that said yes. Uh, I'll date myself a tiny bit, but the lady offered us 75 cents to clear her front yard. Uh, 75 cents each. I mean, she wasn't stingy. Come on. Uh, To rake the leaves, and we did that. And uh, it was kind of this very nice kind of grandma kind of a lady who didn't watch Dateline so she wasn't afraid of the world because she and her husband came out later. Oh, cute kids. You guys did such a good job. And so before you know it, they're giving us popsicles and they're letting us jump on the trampoline in their backyard. 
right? Ten-year-olds don't know how to look at these things through the eyes of a parent. So my sister and I, and actually one other neighborhood friend, the three of us, with popsicles in hand, are jumping on a trampoline that cannot be seen from the street at a house where our parents have no idea where we are, two blocks down and one block over. So I had my first ride in a squad car that day. I know what Rob just said, first. <laughs> only ride, only ride in a squad car was at the age of 10. Uh, then I gave my heart to Jesus, and I never went back to that life. Um, came back, and the officer dropped me off at my home where there was a prayer vigil of 80 members of our church in the front lawn, not knowing whether we're dead or alive. Right? I'm a parent now. I'm sitting here going, that's terrifying. At age 10, you have no idea. You don't know. Um, I appreciated one female officer in particular sitting me on the couch and lecturing me that mom and dad were probably going to spank my bottom. No kidding. <laughs> you know, I just, how did you know, all wise one? <laughs> Anybody ever here just not understood what was going on? Anybody ever said something stupid because you didn't know what was going on? Done something stupid because you didn't know what was going on? Only if you're a human being. Guys, there's only one path forward in Christ for all of this silliness. Give yourself grace. Grace is the only option, and this isn't in the notes, Anything less than grace is arrogant on your part. You're not allowed to deliver a verdict on your life different than what the Most High has delivered. If Jesus Christ hangs on a cross to declare you innocent, you have no right but to agree with him because he's in charge and you're not. He has made you innocent. You did stupid stuff like Pastor Greg when he was 10. You've said foolish things. You've done wicked things. And Jesus hung on a cross to say, it's finished. It's paid for. Innocent, not guilty. I don't get to tell him he's wrong. Amen? Oh, I'm so glad that I'm wrong and he's right. Second thing, Peter struggles to trust Jesus sometimes. I know that doesn't resonate with you, but some of us struggle, like Peter, to trust Jesus. Do you hear the fear and the lack of trust in Peter's words? Where are you going? Why can't I come now? Like, this is, this is what kids do when they've already been told no, told something we don't like. We, we ask it again. We ask it a different way. Once upon a time, God smashed Pharaoh and led us out of slavery in Egypt, and we had the bright idea to doubt God's promises about the promised land. And he said, okay, well, you're going to hang out here for 40 years and I'll let your children have the promised land. How does that work? Except that he miraculously provides for this rebellious people. If that's not a foretaste of the gospel, I don't know what is. They're rebellious. There are consequences to their sin and I'm still going to miraculously provide. And so Sunday through Friday, God sent miraculous food, they called it, what is it, manna, appeared on the ground every morning and they were expressly commanded on Friday, 
there would be a double portion, collect twice as much as you would normally need because the manna will not fall on Saturday morning, the Sabbath, the day of rest. And there were even some specific details given that God was going to enforce this. It involved maggots, but I won't go any farther than that. It's like, you're going to obey or you're going to go hungry. That was pretty much how this is going to work. You're going to take a day off. Now, there are a lot of ways today that we exhibit trust in Jesus or a lack of trust, but I just felt like this is a good one to emphasize. Um, So there were some of us who decided that we were smarter than God. We did not gather double on Friday, and we went out on Saturday morning looking for manna. Anybody read that story and thought, those guys are stupid. I would never do that. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Guys, take a day off. Spend time with the people who love you most. Get more sleep. Turn your phone off. You can't take it with you to glory. Get an hour without sound input into your ears, filling your mind space. Guys, Sabbath is about declaring that I am not going to single-handedly carry the weight of the world. Sleep even does this. God, I'm going to be incapacitated for the next eight hours, so you're going to have to run your universe. Is that okay? No? Oh, God's tired. Oh, God's taking a nap. I'm going to have to stay up late and pound it out this isn't going to work. Uh, our brother, Kerry Newhoff, who has an incredible leadership podcast, he was a pastor for 30 some odd years in, outside of Toronto, Canada. He says that he has a prayer that he prays every day at five o'clock when his work day is done. He stops his work, whatever his routine is, and, and before he stands up from the desk, he says, Lord, I'm so glad that you never stop working so that I can stop. And he gets up. And he leaves the desk where the desk is. Why? So he can have a better marriage than most of us. (laughs) So that he can have a better relationship with his kids, perhaps, than most of us. So he can have a good relationship with people in his life that don't know and love Christ, so he can do friendship deeply. There are lots of ways, guys, I could have emphasized putting trust in Christ, but Sabbath really is one. I am out there on Saturday morning looking for manna because I just refused to believe what God told me. And so I'm going to keep providing, I'm going to keep providing, I'm going to keep providing. It doesn't matter that he told himself he's Jehovah Jireh. He told me that he is the provider. I'm just going to call him a liar with my behavior. God, you're not going to provide. I got this. Something else Peter does in this text, he overestimates his commitment to Jesus sometimes. He gets a little big for his britches. Hey, Jesus, you might be the dark knight, but I'm Robin. And Robin can do a triple backflip and kick Joker in the face in the middle. I mean, I'm pretty darn cool. Did you hear him? I'm going to call into question your timing right now. Why can't I come now, Lord? He's not naive that Jesus is talking about things getting rough. He doesn't say, hey, Why can't we come now? It sounds like you're going on a vacation. No, he's aware of the imminent danger. 
I'm ready to deny, I'm ready to, ooh, Freudian slip. I'm ready to die for you right now. His eyes are on himself, right? This is my critique of some of our modern worship music. We gotta be really, really careful about the way that we declare commitment. Careful. We want to declare commitment, just be careful. Lots of me's and my's. I'm ready to die for you. There are other texts in the Gospels that say that when Peter said this, the other ten echoed him. So he's not alone. He's a leader, but he's not alone. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're ready to die for you. We're totally, we're, we're all in, Jesus. We're all in. Um, back to my childhood. So in, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to date myself because I was a child for the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. I'm sorry, guys, I know. Some of you are like, my children were adult by 1996. But I was a young man. So inspired by all the athletes doing all the cool tricks on TV. And I decided, this won't shock you guys at all, I decided that I was going to be a decathlete. I was going to run and jump and throw things, and boy, I was going to be good at it. It was awesome. The way that a little kid can get really all into, you know, I'm going to be an astronaut, and then it, it changes. I'm going to be a firefighter. Wait, yesterday you were saying. Anyway. So, I had a regimen. I did some push-ups, I did some sit-ups, I did some running, none of which was anywhere near what would be required to compete at the local elementary school, let alone <laughs> at the Olympics. But I was convinced that I was going to be in the decathlon as an Olympian. It was going to be awesome, it was going to be amazing. And I even had this sign, I made this little sign, I wrote it, it says, you are going to Nagano. Does anybody remember the Olympics hosted in Nagano, Japan? It was 18 months later, it was a Winter Olympics. <laughs> so an 11-year-old who thinks that 10 push-ups a day are gonna get him into the Olympics, uh, he's gonna be 11 and a half when this event happens, there will be no decathletes there unless they're in the stands watching. Uh, wrong continent, wrong year, wrong age, wrong skill set. And you know what I was doing about seven days later? Playing video games. Anybody ever here been the wrong age, wrong skill set, wrong level of commitment, wrong continent? Anybody? anybody? Peter has. Wrong, 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 wrong. And Jesus comes behind, hey, Peter, when this is all over, encourage your brothers. Feed my sheep. Jesus tells the truth, and he's so merciful in how he does it. He's so merciful in how he does it. Your next step action point is word for word out of the book of James. Guys, if you're anything like Peter in this way, if you're anything like me, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. You over, overestimate your commitment to Christ? Ah, I don't think we want to be doing that one. 
humble ourselves. Again, the psalmist said, I would love to be a nobody in the correct kingdom than to be a somebody in the wrong kingdom. Right? Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. A long, healthy, vibrant life in the wrong kingdom isn't going to work. That's not what I want. Lord, I'd, I'd rather push a broom in, you know, in, in the back hallways of your kingdom. That's humbling oneself. That's humbling oneself and allowing the Lord to lift you up. Let's take a moment to pray. Let's take a moment to ask uh, the Lord to do his work in our hearts. Um, Jesus, we really, really do want to learn from our brother Peter. Um, God, would you please just convince us of your grace today from this text and maybe from other texts, from siblings that encourage us as we're in relationship with each other, uh, as we live life. God, would you encourage us that you are fighting a battle inside our soul and you are winning. You've never lost, in fact, and you're never going to. God, please show us when we sink beneath the waves that we took our eyes off of you. That was the problem. Uh, we put our eyes on ourselves. We put our eyes on the water. God, as a church family and as individuals, fix our eyes on you. You are our inheritance. You're our portion. Um, nothing that this world has to offer is what's going to satisfy, Lord. God, make us a people who are so intensely, ravenously hungry for your voice that we cherish it in the morning. We talk about your word, and when we go down, we talk about your word, and when we're walking down the road, we talk about your word. We cherish everything that you've said to us because we trust you. God, when we face plants like Peter, would you please restore us like Peter? And please receive praise and worship off of our lips, God, when we experience that grace. It is so good to consistently run into the arms of a father whose love never, ever fails, who picks us up and dusts off our tush and says, try again, you're gonna be all right. You're a good God. We celebrate you. We worship you. Grant faith, God, to those of us who are kicking the tires of the Christian faith and trying to figure out what we believe. We ask for all of this grace in the strong name of Jesus Christ. And God's people said, Amen. who would like an announcement video so we know what's going on? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Well, good morning, church family. Did you remember to mark your calendar that this Friday from 7 to 8 p.m. is prayer night? Of course you did. And you know why? Because you're just excited about it as I am. Everyone is welcome to come. And just as a reminder, this night's going to be tailored to those who prefer to pray out loud in a group and to those who do not. Now, you want to hear something really cool? Our Spanish ministry is going to be joining us. How cool is that? So that brings me to my next point. If you would like to submit a prayer request for that night, we have a couple of ways that you can do that. Number one, we're gonna have three by five cards that'll be available for you to fill out. And the second way is for you to go online to myarcf.com forward slash prayer night to fill out an online form. 
Now, we really do encourage you to use the online form to fill out for your prayer requests because, you ready for the next cool part? Listen, listen, listen. Since our Spanish ministry is going to be joining us, we are going to be translating the prayer requests to Spanish and vice versa. So, legibility is very, very important. And I've seen some of y'all's handwriting. Ooh. Plus, having a digital copy makes it so much easier and so much faster to translate the prayer request. So again, make sure you jump online at myarcf.com forward slash prayer night to fill out the online form. And we're going to see you Friday night from 7 to 8 p.m. All right, ladies, we have a treat coming up for you in a couple of months. But... We wanted to let you know now, so that way you can jump in and get your registration completed early. On Saturday, October 16th, we're hosting the Fall Convention for the Christian Women Connection, or CWC for short. The speaker for this year is going to be Patsy Oda, the author of Heart's Desire. Registration is on now, so make sure you head over to myarcf.com forward slash CWC to register. If you sign up before October 9th, Cost is only going to be 25 bucks. Patsy Oda is going to be sharing her life story, so you're not going to want to miss out on that. So make sure you head over to the website to register now. All right, church family, that's all the announcements that I have for you this morning. See, that was quick and painless. As always, please make sure you grab yourself a bulletin, read it left to right, front to back, for more events and more information.